Every sport has their big, juicy controversy. Boxing has the Mike Tyson ear bite. Cycling has Lance Armstrong. Baseball has its steroid era. Curling has... Broomgate. It's a story of broken relationships, houses divided, corporate rivalry, and a performance-enhancing broom. It was a year I'd like to forget. Broomgate. Available now. Well, that was certainly an advertisement for the pitch clock, wasn't it? Well, I can't wait. Holy mother of God. Sal Amora came in that game, and he was walking around that mound, and and Matt Thorns, and I was like, oh, holy moly. I've never oozed for something in my life. Pitch, please hurry up. Yeah, that's right. We're complaining about the the, uh, Jays 6-5 win over the Boston Red Sox yesterday (laughs) in a sweep at Fenway Park. We're pissed uh, off about it because the game took it too took long. Forever. Get off, get off our lawn. <laughs> Barker's a homeowner now, uh, so he can actually say, "Get off my lawn." Jeez, how's that going? Keep it to yourself. Okay, it's oh. none you. <laughs> okay, how's that? Uh, but we can say, "Get off my lawn" now, anyhow. Um, the Blue Jays have picked up their thirteenth win of the year against the Boston Red Sox. That's the most in franchise history. I mean, what can you say about? About that game, Red Sox six, five. Were, Red Sox were three for twenty with runners that, scoring. That, that's what you could say. That's what you could say. Uh, <laughs> three for that. twenty. I mean, it was. We used to call it like a classic Fenway Park game where a bunch of odd stuff happens, and and um. But yeah, the Jays. You know, God love them. I mean, George Springer. Uh, you know, the virtue of putting the ball in place. Singles, grounds out, three walks, and then puts the ball in play in the tenth inning. Kevin uh, Biggio, who is the automatic runner, comes home from third on the contact play, head first slide, actually hand first slide, beats the tag relatively. Like when the play developed, Kevin, I thought, okay, this is going to be really, really close. It wasn't that close when you look at it in replay. Not really. Well, the the contact play is if you're, when you're base running and and you do it right, it's the easiest play because you, you just you're, put your head you're, down. Well, you're not. Well, I guess yeah. You're you're you have a target in mind that you want to slide to, and it's all about momentum. It's it's about not killing momentum. And what I mean by that is when you get your lead, you want that to be a flow and not a start, stop, and start again. Because if you do that, you're probably out. So you want that to be a constant. You're reading bad. As soon as you see his hands start to go forward, that's when you can think about going, and then you let momentum stop you, right? You don't want to mm-hmm. let that start, stop, start again thing stop you. So, yeah, it's, Kevin Biggio is a great base runner. If you've noticed, the way he runs the bases, the way he gets his leads, uh, you know, when he tries to steal bases, you don't have to get a hit all the time to help your team win a baseball game. And that's how Kevin can stay in the big leagues. He's playing solid defense, running the bases the way he is, and that's what good teams do. Yeah. You know, I know they're playing bad teams and they're, and they're winning games. They're supposed to be winning against teams that they're supposed to be winning against, but you still got to go out there and execute and do the right thing, and Blue Jays are getting it done right now. Yeah, it's, uh, you know, you've talked about this a great deal about the importance of base running and how good base running isn't just being able to steal bases. And, and one of the things that, that Dan and Pat talked about during the telecast last night, you look at a guy like Danny Jansen, for example, that the decisions he makes, the secondary leads he gets, the way he cuts the bases, there's a lot that goes into, and you've talked about this, you were a good, and you were, your reputation, you were a good base runner. I was. I took pride in it. I, I wanted to be a good base runner. Uh, it's field awareness. It's knowing what's going on around you. It's knowing when you get a big secondary lead. You don't have, you don't always have to get a big lead. It's about your secondary right. lead and how you cut the corners on a bag and how your turn around the bag, around second, around third, is not so big. You see a lot of base runners, they cut it in the grass too much. You want to get it as close to that foul line as possible because it's less – Room to make up for, yep. right? It's a straighter line the straighter you get towards that foul line. So, yeah, it's I, you've always liked Kevin Biggio as a base runner. And you saw bad base running. You saw George Springer in the first inning try to go second base off the on the ball off the green monster. When That, for me, is an easier play because that's more of a line drive. When it's a line drive, it's going to bounce further off the green yep. monster. If your ball has more of a hook in it, that's when you try and take second base. And, and then you see Reese McGuire on the other team trying to go first to th- third off of Teoscar Hernandez when – you had Kevin Gosman on the ropes, and 
base running at the big league level as a whole is just not real good. And the teams that can run the bases, that can make up for other woes that that team may have. You know, a guy in the bullpen that you have to use in certain situations, maybe you can make up for it by running the bases better. And that's what good teams do. That, that could make you a great team. Yeah, there, there was, I mean, there were a lot of plays last night that that weren't made, a, a lot of misplays. You talk about Reese McGuire. At that point, two runs in, one out. You singled, Dahlbeck singles, Duran is coming up. You're right. You've got you got your guy on the ropes. Um, I should say you've got uh, uh, you've got uh, Gossman on the ropes. Uh, we saw the error by Bo Bichette on a relatively routine play that opens that ties the game. That kind of sets everything in momentum towards towards extra innings. And I obviously don't want to harp on the negatives here. I want to ask you about that play though. The play by Bo, Bo it was a routine play. Yeah, <laughs> it was a Friday. It was a routine play. Uh, there are first basemen who would be able to save that throw. Though, we, we, we've talked about this for, you know, Vladdy has had a giant step forward, just wanting to play first, accepting that he's a first baseman. Right. He's very athletic. He has a strong arm. Uh, that allows him to play deeper in the hole because he's athletic, because he's got a good arm. He's accurate with flips. Yeah, it sounds simple. It's baseball. No, he's a big leaguers. But, you you know, yeah. trying to flip a guy by leading a pitcher who all the time is not very athletic and, and really doesn't want the ball other than trying to throw strike one and eliminating people. But it's just the very stationary. I've been telling you this forever. When a guy runs over, that's why you see Vladdy a lot of the times have awkward strides towards the baseball, he gets very stationary. I mean, I, everybody's seen me on TV, and I'm, I'm going to try to explain this. When a guy that you can tell is not comfortable yet fully about playing his position gets very stationary. I want to run over, <clears throat> stick my foot right in the middle of that bag, and then look towards the target, and that's where I'm going to stride from. Instead of having a flow around the bag, which means put both feet in front of it and then use your to shuffle on the edges of the bag to where the play takes you. And right now, Vladdy, I don't, I'm not going to say doesn't know how to do that. Maybe hasn't been taught to do that. Needs to, in the offseason, get a little yeah. bit better at it. I mean, it's, a finer, it's a finer point. And, and everything, we, everything we've seen from him suggests he'll be able to master it. No question. It. I'm not trying to say he hasn't right. had a good year over there. But by no means, no, he's right. had a great it's... year over there. But... To get better and be an elite first baseman, which is what he's trying to be. Yep. He's 23 years old. He wants to be great on both sides of the ball. And that stationary thing, that's why you saw it. Now, that is a tough pick because Bo is getting on top of that thing. And when it hits the ground, it's going to shoot up quicker. Like normally, if he sidearms it, it'll hit the ground and it'll spin. And it won't have as much backspin. And you can use your glove to go side to side with it. You have to be really aggressive on the balls that hit the ground and spin up like that. Guys that throw it straight over top, and that has something to do with your footwork, right? The better footwork you have around the bag enables you to have the ability to move your glove around to give you a chance to catch those baseballs. And, and you know, it's a do-or-die play. Some of it's luck, but you can help the luck by putting your lower half in a better position to be able to stretch athletically towards the baseball, and I know I'm being picky here, but I think highly of Vladdy on both sides of the ball, and I just think he could get better at that if he's not so stationary. I understand why they're doing that. You know, it's a process. Mm -hmm. Let's not overwhelm him with things, but I just think if he would get a little bit better with his feet, he'll take a whole bigger step forward when it comes to being a first baseman. On the other side, uh, we've got to talk about the defense, the plays that were made by the Blue Jays yesterday. A couple of double plays. Matt Chapman turning a double play to end the ninth inning uh, with the bases loaded and one out and uh, doing some, just doing some looking. The last time a Red Sox hitter into a bases loaded one out inning ending double play in the ninth or later of a tied game, you have to go back to 2010. Adrian Beltre did it against the Rays. This is what Alex Cora, the manager of the Red Sox, had to say after the game about uh, the play by Matt Chapman in the ninth inning. 5-3 double play that uh, set the stages for, for the 10th the inning and uh, and the Jays of scoring the eventual winning run. Lance, please. You know, we, we didn't put them in play in certain situations. Obviously, then, you know, we put them in play. They turned over the play. That's a great play by, by Chapman. He didn't panic. 
know, probably another third baseman will throw to the plate and just get one out. He he saw, he knew it. You know, he he anticipated, stepping the back, got the other play. That was Alex Cora talking about that play, Kevin. Um, I mean, look, the ball wasn't scalded. It had an XBA, <clears throat> an expected, uh, had an XBA of 420, but it was still, I, I, I don't know. You, you've been out in the field. Would your, your first thought process be to come home or are you thinking double play automatically if you're Matt Chapman? Not elite defenders like Matt Chapman. You, again, this gets back to you think it through before it actually happens. You tell everybody, ball right at me hit decently hard. I'm going third to you, Vladdy. Like you're whistling and mm-hmm. sort of directing traffic and telling everybody where we're going. And that's that's how the good defenders do things. For me, that was the only play. I, mm-hmm. I get what the the outcome of the game could have been. Maybe Alex Corr is used to seeing that from his team, too. There you go. If he Seriously. didn't make the play. Yeah. But that's that for me is, I don't, I don't want to say that's a, that's a 100% play, but it, being who that was hit to, and that ball was right at him. I know that was to his glove side. Right. He catches it at his left foot. He runs to the bags. He tags it. He throws Kike Hernandez out by 10 feet. It's a, for me, it's a no-brainer, and, and in that situation, it's the only play to make. The uh, Matt Chapman made some, some again, we've talked about his defense and, and, how good it, and how good it's been. I mean, he made, a, he made more plays yesterday. He's just so solid. He is. First move is big. Pre-pitch setup. I talk about this all the time. You got to have one to put you yourself in an athletic position to go side to side, to go up and back. And, you know, it's that internal clock and knowing, you know, if a runner's on second base and I need to hold him there in a big situation to not let him get to third with less than two outs. You know, that runner's, I know he's running down the line, but it's more important to keep him there so I can get the out and, you know, kill two birds with one stone. It's just a it's not only that he catches balls, he throws the ball where it's supposed to go. It's the internal things. It's the things before it actually happens that I know he's standing there. I know the outs. I know the situation of the game. And when it's hit to me, I know where I'm going to go because I've already thought it through. It's, and then you want to add on top of it that he has all that talent and he wants the ball. you got to want it. There's a lot of defenders that time of, that time of the game who don't want the ball. He wants the ball. Uh, we, have to, we do have to talk about the bullpen. The pitching we saw last night, Jordan Romano, two innings of relief. Uh, you know, he gets the double play from uh, from Matt Chapman. Another another example where John Schneider uses the intentional uses the intentional walk, something he's done he did throughout this series, and it comes through for them. Uh, but again, Jordan Romano, two innings, uh, and with with the the automatic runner on second base in the tenth inning, five three strikeout and a pop up to Vladdy, basically keeping the ball in the infield. This was, I, I understand that the Red Sox aren't a good team right now. I understand that there are signs, frankly, that I think some of their guys kind of wish the season was over. But those were three really good games from this bullpen in terms of navigating traffic and navigating issues. Damage limitation, I guess. Yeah, if you're a manager, you want to manage your games from the ninth inning backwards got the ninth inning taken care of. If I get to the eighth inning, who's available? I get to the seventh inning, who's available? It's not the other way around. And to have a guy like Jordan Romano, who's figured out how to throw 98 how, to 99 ask you this. all the time. I was going to ask you this last night on Blue Jays talk. We didn't get around to it. He's throwing harder and being used more. Yeah, for me. Explain that. Oh, well, me. I think it's routine. I think it's they did a really good job early in the season of not abusing him. They could have that stretch that they got they out talked of him about that beginning yeah. of the season. They Remember, we were asking, him. we were asking, why haven't we seen him for well, four days? We, why we, haven't we seen him for we five said days? On this show, it's probably because they want to do this in uh, end of August, September, and rolling into October because that's when you're going to need him the most. And the organization as a whole has let him figure out all the things that it takes to be Jordan Romano's best. That means it has to be the high-octane velocity. Why I say it has to be 98-99 is as much as he throws the slider, and a lot of the times that thing's not great. Like mm-hmm. sometimes it's snap hooks, and it's a good one, and he can throw it to lefties and righties, but sometimes it's roly-poly, and he needs to have the extra gear to get hitters open in the front side to where if he does throw a bad slider, he can get away with it. You know, he gets a pull foul, he gets a rollover, like that allows him to do that. And just having the routine and 
you know, figuring that part of it out. You you hear every pitcher talk about that. What's my routine and and how can I figure out something to keep my strength with my lower half, which has eliminated that, you know, remember the squat that he would do. Mm-hmm. If you do that 35 times a game, you know, back-to-back days or three days in a row, that's going to wear you out. So give him a lot of credit for everything he's done to try and when he does get on the field, it's right out the gate. Pitch one's 98, 99. That's consistent. And you know as a hitter on the on-deck circle, uh-oh, I got to get it going here. He was uh, 0 for 5 with runners in scoring position. He got five outs in the ninth and 10th inning with runners in scoring position. This is Jordan Romano after the game talking to Arash Madani. So the dogfight, the bases loaded situation, what are you telling yourself in that spot? You know what? Yeah, it's like uh, even it was second and third and, you know, uh, intentional walk. And I just thought, like, like, don't stop competing. You know, like, no matter what, just don't stop competing. Just leave it out there and whatever happens, happens. Like, I was okay giving up a hit. I was okay giving up a homer, but, like, I was not going to stop competing. What does that mean? You know what? That's just... Um, Honestly, for me, it's just, like, letting go of the outcome, and it's just, like, it's honestly just giving all I got, like, not caring what happened, just, like, doing the best I can, if that makes sense. Yeah, letting go of the outcome. You know, they always talk about that with closers, the importance of having that short memory, and and it, it does sound like a cliche, but the good closers I've been around, they do. They are very good at letting it go. I mean, that doesn't mean that they're not going to be pissed off when you go and talk to them after the game, but... Generally, they do a very good job of good closers, do a really good job of convincing their teammates that I'm okay, I got this. I mean, that's what you know, we've we've talked about was it was it Ryan Ryan Tapera when he was with the Blue Jays made a comment about I'm I don't know if I'm comfortable closing. Done. Don't say that. Ever. Don't ever say that. I, I flip it over to hockey with I remember sitting, and I've told this story. Curtis Joseph was in here, another show, NHL goaltender. Lovely man. One of the worst interviews in the history of sports after a game. And he admitted it. And he, we, we talked about it in our, on, on the show. And he said, look, um, yeah, I, obviously I've got, you know, I've given up five goals a game. I got doubts. But he said, I'm not going to let you, I'm not going to let the media hear it so that my teammates hear it. I'm not going to do that. And, yeah, there is something to that. It's the whole, I got this. Just gets back to me, you can't teach experience. You, you got to have that. You, gotta, you have to go through it to experience it. That inning, uh, all we, I just mentioned all the routines and, and you know, the slow heartbeat. You, you could tell last night, even with the bases loaded, the, the heart rate didn't go up. He was still flipping the ball in the air and mm-hmm. catching it with mm-hmm. his hand and, you know, he was still like, had the little flow. It was almost like he was singing the song. I don't know what his song is, but he's singing something. You know, he's still, you know, he's got a little rock to him. And and good players in big time situations have a little rock. Like you could just tell the situation's not too big for him. And he's gonna, gonna compete. And I, I'll say this I think the Blue Jays have found their closer. They don't need to look anymore. They found their guy. Yeah, considering what we were talking about a little earlier about, you know, <clears throat> Earlier in the season, the mm-hmm. lack of swinging and stuff, and and yeah, I, I admit I was kind of skeptical because um, they weren't throwing him. That that was the big. That thing. was why well, are they not throwing that him? Can was, he not figure something out? Yeah, that why was do we a, not see his best stuff? I think that's what you're talking. That about. That was a red flag for yeah. me, especially since the rest of the bullpen at times is such a tire fire. That was a red flag for me, and again, it, it's it, it's hard to argue with the results that we have seen in August. Uh, ultimately, September will be the measuring stick for Jordan Romano and everybody in this team. But my goodness, from what we've seen so far, it's it's awfully hard not to be extremely optimistic about the Jays' bullpen. Um, the Jays' bullpen it just seems to have... The roles seem to be clearly defined now. Yes, there's still an issue with, you say, Kikuchi there, the spot he occupies, who he's keeping out of the bullpen, how that's going to play, especially with the double headers coming up. Mm-hmm. Uh, how, how is that? How, how will that play out? But <clears throat> um, John Schneider, Matt Bushman, and Pete Walker seem 
to have an idea of how to manage that situation right now. And that's really, that's all you need right now. In, in August, getting into September, you're managing situations. Every team has a crisis. Every team has a crisis that we know about. Every team has a crisis that the media doesn't know about. Sure. It's, that's just the way it is. Well, it's I, August. What, what I see is obviously we just talked about the closer, the ninth inning's taken care of now. He can go as many outs as you need him mm-hmm. to go. Anthony Bass and Jimmy Garcia are huge. You want to know why they're huge? Adam Simber and Trevor Richards, you don't have to abuse them now. Yeah. Like, you don't have to always go to them. You know, fans of the Blue Jays are not always rolling their eyes. Oh, here comes trickery and the change-up from Trevor Richards. Now you don't always have to see that. Now you can see Jimmy Garcia throwing 97 with that big yacker and the slider and the change-up and the movement and the both sides of the plate. And Anthony Bass, I give him credit. First time we saw Anthony Bass here, he got the big eye. You know, it was one thing pitching with an eight-run lead. It was another thing to come in a game when it was tight and you had to make a quality pitch. Now he's got the slider to go to. He can throw it for strike one. He can throw an elimination slider. He can use the power heater, which is a big deal. If you got the velocity and you're using that for a sneak pitch, that's a big deal. Right. Now you're unpredictable. Now I'm a hitter. Now I'm a – because you can throw a secondary pitch for a strike. That, for me, has – when you talk about giving a manager options, okay, I don't have to use two guys all the time because I don't want to use them all the time. But until those two guys, Jimmy Garcia started finding the flow and figuring out you had to give him a couple of days off, and that's when you would see the best Jimmy Garcia, and now Anthony Bass is here. That just makes it a little easier for Petey because you can tell. <laughs> I mean, even when uh, Tim Mazel was in the game and you could tell Petey was talking – John Snyder in something or out of something. Yeah. Like the the conversations back and forth when it comes crunch time and how they're matching up, for me anyway, just by watching from afar is a little easier because of how now they don't have to use Simber and Trevor Richards. The uh wanna before we take a break, also wanna mention again Danny Jansen's night. Uh home run, two of the hardest hit balls he's hit this year. Uh what three for five. And uh, first time you played in four games. Something else. I mean, it's it's a it's a hard thing to do mechanically. The only thing you could do, and I know his first hit, what came on a one-two curveball. After that, it was three-one fastball and a three-two fastball. You're hitting. He's hitting ninth. That's what he's hitting. Yeah, yeah. he's hitting ninth. Those are fastball counts for a nine-hole here. And you haven't played in four days. That's what you try to do. Like you try and fight to not chase. You want to be as quiet and it's just. There's no movement. And with Danny last night, there was no movement. For me, anyway, he looked a little wider. Mm-hmm. He looked a little wider where he just picked the foot up, set it down, and he wanted to level out his swing, take the bottom hand, and sort of just drive it down to the baseball. That's why when you saw him hit the homer, it was down and in on a 3-1 heater. It was just, I'm quiet with my lower half. I'm going to spin it, but it's my bottom hand just dropping barrel to baseball because of what you said. I haven't played in four games. Yeah. That's a big deal. It's hard to do. I used to try and do that. Like mechanics and timing, and you're facing guys who throw hard and do it from weird arm angles. And, and let's face it, if Alejandro Kirk continues to hit, that this is, you know, this, this, no question. this role is it's kind of gone back and forth all year, right? And there, sure. there may be a time where, where Danny Jansen needs to play more games in September. We don't know. But if you're John Schneider, you're looking at that situa- situation right now and seeing the response you got from Danny Jansen, you're going, you're feeling pretty good I about also your want, you, you, you also have to give Tapia and Espinal credit because Espinal, that's three days between starts. Yes. Tapia, that's three Correct. days between starts. It's not the easiest thing to do to come off a, a bench and have competitive at-bats. It's not about results. It's about being competitive, mm-hmm. giving your, yourself a chance to help your team win a baseball game. It says a lot about this team, right? It's I know who they're playing and what that team's going through, but it's on the road. Your starting pitcher wasn't great. Yeah. And for the bottom of the order to have the game that they had last night, give them credit. Uh, Matt Vazgerzian is the Angels TV play-by-play announcer. He's also, of course, uh, an MLB network announcer and analyst. The Angels are in town for three games against the Blue Jays. It is indeed a big weekend at the Rogers Center. First of all, the 1992 World Series team will be celebrated tomorrow at the Rogers Center. And again, the Jays are asking folks to get to the ballpark as early as possible. Doors will open at 1 o'clock. It is a sellout. Shohei Otani against Alec Manoa. So get there if you, you if you want to see the the ceremony. Get into your seats. It's a half hour ceremony. Get in your seats. Get your food. Get your drinks. Whatever you need to do. And uh, again, the gates open at one o'clock tomorrow for Shohei Otani, Alec Manoa, and the 1992, the celebration of the 1992 
World Series team. John Morosi will join us as well at 11 o'clock and at 11.30. Barker's Back Lake Bits. DMs are open. My Twitter handle is SNJeffBlair. Any questions you have, any questions you have for Kevin, feel free to submit them. We'll go through them. We'll collate them. And um, and uh, and we we will get to them. Matt Vesgersian's next. It's Blair and Barker on Sportsnet 590. The fan, the Sportsnet radio network, Sportsnet 360, and wherever you get your favorite podcast. Smart takes on the biggest stories in sports. The Fan Drive Time with Ben Ennis and Stephen Brunt. Subscribe and download the show on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome back to Blair and Barker. Sorry about that. Little little conversation off the air. The uh, Jays will open a three-game series against the uh, Los Angeles Angeles Angels tonight. Shut up. The Los Angeles scene. Against the Angels tonight at the Rogers Center. Reed Detmers against Mitch White. Or Ross Stripling 2.0 as we are... Especially uh, yeah, I on. know. I'm saying that is a good way. I'm not saying it's a. I'm not saying it's a bad. He way. throws harder than Ross does. Changeup's not as good either. I'm saying it is. So no, I'm not in that camp. Well, all right. Well, there you go. I'll say I like him better than you say. Pardon me. <laughs> <laughs> Anybody else out there disagree with Kevin Barker's <laughs> assertion that he would rather see Mitch White uh, pitching a game than you say Kikuchi? Please call us at 416-870. Call? Please don't call. Yeah, Boffa's working the they, phones. We're going to be joined by uh, Matt Vesperian in a few with us. minutes. Okay. Yeah. Uh, he is the play-by-play voice of the Angels. The Angels really almost in that, well, the Angels an afterthought right now, which seems odd considering who they have in their team. Oh, man. But, That's crazy. Yeah, it is. It's it's like I feel it's almost like baseball's version of global warming. Jeff, they got fifty two wins. It's like baseball's version. They're just wasting the resources that are that are that are Aaron Trout and, and, and Shohei Otani. Or uh Mike Trout. Aaron. <laughs> Aaron Trout, where did that come from? Mike Trout and Shohei Otani. It's almost like they're just wasting they're just wasting them. And I don't know how you I don't know how you make up for that. I mean, I don't know how you make up for that lost Better time. pitching. Would help. I mean, it can't. I was going to say it can't be that hard to find. Like, I would just think you're the Angels. It's California. It's not like they don't spend money, right? And yet, sure, they can't seem to get it right. Like they 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 need a true number one that every five days they can count on pretty much that they're going to win that game and then they figure out how to win the other four. They, they just haven't had that. In a very, I know they have Otani, which helps a little bit, but I I don't know. I, and then you then you turn it over to a bullpen. It just seems, always seems like something. Like, you, you know, you watch highlights and, and they're throwing the ball around the yard on the defensive side and they're running into outs. And injuries is a big deal for them too. You know, their best players hurt a lot. When he doesn't play, well, you know, look at George Springer when he's not playing for the Blue Jays. Mm-hmm. Well, the good thing is Mike Trout will be playing this weekend. Um, That's good. For the Angels. So you get to see Mike Trout as well as Shohei Otani. Shohei Otani pitching on uh, on Saturday against against Alec Manoa. And we talked a little bit about the sellout crowd, uh, the 92 World Series champs there, Shohei Otani. going to be an afternoon game. You know if you're facing Shohei Otani, Kevin, if you're facing him in a game, you know your game is going to be followed by more people. Um, We have talked about Alec Manoa and his thing for the bright lights, for the spotlight. I I, got to think he's going to be just jacked beyond belief for this. I hope not. I know. You've been saying you want want him to... Sinker sinker guys need off the fingers. They need sound mechanics. If you're a little fired up and you're a little quick with your mechanics and you're playing catch-up, being a giant human... 
that means non-competitive pitches, and that does that means you're not going to go deeper in games. So I hope not. You know, he hasn't had his good slider in a while. He hasn't had his good two-seamer. Like, it's – he needs to get back to being just nice and easy, good finish, not falling a lot off to the first base side of the rubber. Like, just be a little bit more compact with the glove hand. You know, he'll j- yank it sometimes, and it – pulls him off a little bit and he can't get to the finish and have the ball where he go where he wants it to go. So I hope not, but he is a kid and he is exactly what you said. There can be a lot of people that are watching. So we'll see. And that experience thing will come into play. You know, that that's where people around him, Pete Walker, the catcher get through the first inning. That's yeah. sort of where it is, right? The crowd and who you're pitching against and just get through the first inning. If he gets through the first inning, I think it'd be okay. Yeah, and I also think it, th- this is this is kind of an interesting run of games for the Blue Jays because you've got you've got the Angels, uh, you've got the Cubs, Pittsburgh, you got Pittsburgh. I think there's a series against Baltimore dropped Four in games. there, and then you got you got Texas. Texas. So I'm not sitting here. We learned we learned in the past that it's not always a great thing to look at the schedule and go, boy, there's a bunch of easy touches here for the Blue Jays, but. This would certainly, Kevin, you made the point at the start of the week. This is a good opportunity, I think, to maybe. I don't know if you're ever going to shake. I don't think you're going to be able to shake off the Rays or the Mariners through September. But you can kind of shake off the, the teams below them. Minnesota, you can shake off the, the Orioles, Sox. Minnesota, the White Sox. That's what you've, you do. You've, pretty, you've stuck a fork in the Red Sox already. So just by winning, as, as long as you win as many games as possible, you are going to be fine. You're going to be keeping pace with those with those other two. You're, with those other two, your teams. best players have to still be your best players. But it's a good time to get confident. That's that's the things that you've been working on. Uh, you, this is you go out and can apply them. You can you know flip a breaking ball and a fastball count when you normally don't do that. You can do those things to to you know sort of take it to a whole different level because of where you're at in the schedule. But I'm with you, right? It's it's this little time right here to add some separation and. Soft parts of schedules, you know, it's not always good. And I, and I know if you ask the, the coaches and the manager, they're thinking about that night and they're not thinking too far ahead, but they're still human beings. They're thinking, okay, this will be a great time. We've weathered the storm. Now it's this little part of the schedule. The teams we're facing, we know what our record is against good teams. Now we're facing some not so good teams. The Angels. It's a good time to add some separation. The Angels are 21 games under 500. They're not great. They have not been 21 games under 500 since September 20th, 2016. And yes, this is a team with Mike Trout. Although again, Mike Trout is, is has had his his injury issues, but it's a team with Mike Trout and Shohei Otani. And I know it's not the NBA where generally the team with the best player on the court wins a lot of the time but my goodness with those two with those two players this is the other, and this is the other thing that drives me that drives me nuts about this and I don't know if we we haven't heard from Matt yet uh but this mm. is the other thing that drives me nuts about this is if you're a ball player and I know guys it, at the end of the day it comes down to money in term I get that no question I get that but you would think Kevin that California the opportunity to play with Otani and Trout. I mean, I guess as, as some part of you as a baseball player, you'd think would look at that and go, I mean, all things being equal, that would just that would be a that'd be a great experience. Again, I'm not taking I'm no not question. gonna take five million bucks a year less for the great experience, but it should be you know, look, I think most contract offers are close. And you'd think that would be the thing that would help tip the balance in favor for a guy. Maybe it did with Anthony Rendon. I, I, I you know, which, you know, I think he went to contract. I think he went to the highest bidder. And I think most players, and you will, you would too, if you were one of the players and said, okay, that, that team's offering me this amount. This team's offering me this amount. And the next thing out of your mouth is, well, which one's higher? That's the one I want to go to because I, you know, you want to make as much money as quickly as possible. And they're only human beings. So it's it's Mike Trout is a little bit like George Springer. Mike Trout's played 85 games, got 26 homers. Like, like when he plays, for me anyway, everybody can have their opinion. There's no question for me he's the best player on the field when he plays. It's he does things on the field that no other people can do. Like, and it's easy. 
Like it's who hits twenty six homers in eighty five games. It's I know what Otani is and the unicorn on both sides of the ball, but yeah, it's just it's it's a little it's a little odd that the the Angels are where they are. I mean, again, it gets back to what do we always talk about? How good the Blue Jays look right. when their starting pitcher looks good. And their bullpen comes in when John Snyder hands the ball to whoever he's handing the ball to does their job. And when they don't, it's demoralizing. And it makes it harder for the other parts of a team's game to catch up. And most teams just can't do that. He is the uh, TV voice of the Angels. He's also one of the voices and faces in the MLB network. He's Matt Vazgersian, and he joins us on Blair and Barker. Matt, thanks so much for joining Kevin and myself. Great to uh, chat with you. We. We trust that you're doing well. We, we, we. I mean, look. I, I every time you talk about the Angels, I, the, the same discussion comes up. Kevin and I were just having this. We're trying to figure out how a team with the best, arguably the best player of this generation, and the team with the most unique player who might very well be turn out being the best player of his generation, how they can be 21 games under 500. I, I understand it's a million dollar question, and I'm sure you get asked that all the He's time. Laughing. But I'm going to do it anyhow because. I mean, you got to pull one out of your ass every now and then with those two guys on the team, right? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I mean, you'd think, right? Uh, and they do. It, you know, they do do that. Uh, but, you know, starting this series with Toronto 21 games under 500 is certainly not what anybody thought was going to be the story, especially when they got off to such a great start in the month of May. Um, and, look, the, the short answer to your question, and it's a fair question for sure, is that there wasn't much depth beyond those two guys. Um, the Angels were aware of that, that even a you know even an injury to a role player was going to have a big impact on that roster. And as it turns out, they've had major injuries around Trout and Otani, uh, including one to Mike that cost him a month, that have completely decimated uh, their chances of competing. And it's, it is a shame. I, you know, I personally... And I've only been working for the Angels for a couple of years, but the national outcry of, quote, the Angels are wasting Mike Trout is such a tired refrain. Mm-hmm. You know, they want to win. And um, nobody believes that the Angels have wasted Mike Trout on purpose. Uh, it just hasn't worked out that they can afford the kind of payroll depth behind those two players that uh, a winning team would have. So when Anthony Rendon gets hurt, or when uh, three quarters of your opening day bullpen is down at the same time, or whatever the case may be, they just didn't have the depth to put those that talent back on the field. Matty, when, whenever somebody asks you who's the best player for the Angels, mm-hmm. what do you say? Oh, dude, that is a, that's a very good question, Kev. Uh, the respectful answer is to say Mike Trout because it's his team, and uh, as, as you guys mentioned earlier, potentially the best player of a generation. First ballot Hall of Famer, three-time MVP, on and on and on. Um, so that's that's kind of the first name that I would utter. But I would also qualify it by saying nobody in the history of the sport is doing what Otani's doing. And people talk about Babe Ruth, and they always throw that 1918 season out there. You know, the numbers that Otani is going to end up with, when you consider the fact that he steals bases and strikes out as many as he strikes out, uh, I don't, I don't know that we're ever going to see another player like that. Like he's a multi-generation talent. So the first name I'd give you would be Trout mm-hmm. with a qualifier that Otani can't be left out of the conversation. Matty, around the Angels, has there anybody said that they should have traded Otani? You know, I, I think internally, no. I think everybody was kind of on the same page with holding him. Um, and, you know, my, how things have changed in a month and a half. Yeah. I mean, that, you know, that call came from ownership for the most part. And now ownership potentially is on the verge of changing in the next year plus with, with the team being uh, for sale, as was announced the other day. Uh, you know, if, if there was a transitionary front office or a new front office, I don't know that they would have come to the same conclusion to hang on to Shohei, but this group decided that that's what was best. That, you know, they kind of wanted to win up until the bitter end, up until the white flag was waved of uh, selling the team. I get it, too. I'd be curious your guys' thoughts, you know, from where you sit uh, in a uh, competing market. I mean, I get hanging on to Shohei. Look, he's going to be good through this year. Uh, his name is still going to be hot through the winter if you can strike the right deal or up until next year's trading deadline. But as of now, 
he puts rear ends in the seats. Mm-hmm. He's a one-man marketing campaign. I don't know who else you put on the front of the media guide if you don't have Shohei Otani and or Mike Trout. Yeah, we, we've talked about that. I mean, this is why I find the, the, you know, the timing of the sale so interesting because, like, I understand that we had this discussion with Juan Soto. Are, are the Nationals worth more with Juan Soto or without him? And, yeah, if you're going to buy the Washington Nationals franchise, yeah, you'd like to have Juan Soto. But you're still buying the real estate. You're buying the. You're buying all that stuff, and it's going to cost you two billion dollars. But Otani is so unique. If I'm an owner, I want, I want Otani around. I, I would love my first move as an owner, Matt, to be that I signed this. And you're right. I love the way you called him a multi generational player. I'd love my first act to be, hey, I'm going to make this multi generational player the highest paid player in baseball, and we're going to go forward from there because I know. I'm not going to replace what he gives me. Mike Trout's great, but you know what? There may be another Mike Trout in five years. We don't know. I'd be surprised if there's another Shohei Otani in five years. That would be my approach. Yeah, that's. I mean, I yeah, don't think you can. Well I don't think said. you can. I don't think you can give him up. I, every now and then, you you have a player and you go, "We just got to play this out, and we we got to make him the highest paid player in the game." That's all there is to it. Yeah, and, and that's I think that was part of their rationale when they were still in place as an ownership group. And, look, we have 18 months to prove to him that we can put a winning team around him, something that we've been unable to do the last couple of years. Again, I just can't tell you how the vibe in that room changed so dramatically uh, based on the great start they had in May. I mean, everybody from Anthony Rendon was smiling. Mm-hmm. Uh, Mike Trout's parents were were bought in. I mean, like everybody was happy around the franchise for the first month of the season, and it it just absolutely crumbled in such a crash and burn manner. It's been um, it's been hard to explain, you know, in ten or fifteen minutes time. Matty, I think the first thing you'd have to answer would be, does he want to be an angel forever? And if the answer to that is, I'm not real sure then you'd have to think about trading. Like Juan Soto came out and said, I'm not, I'm not taking the 14- or 15-year deal. He made it easy for the Nationals to trade him. That, that would be the first thing you'd have to walk up to him and ask him. Do you, do you have a feel for that? Does he want to be an angel forever? Yeah, I, I don't know the answer to that one, Kev. And that, you're right, that's where, the, that's where the whole equation starts. You know, it, it's interesting with Shohei. Uh, he is a, a, a really good kid. He's respectful. He plays the game hard. He plays with a little chip on his shoulder because he wants everybody to know how great he is. Uh, he's never going to embarrass you. He's never going to run around after a game. He's never going to say the wrong thing. But with that, you know, kind of, um, I don't want to say robotic, but with that programmed Jeter-esque mm-hmm. approach, you don't really get much, right? I mean, his agent, uh, does just he doesn't allow him to do interviews, like the Angels, Bally Sports that covers the Angels, that is the RSN for the team, the regional sports network for the team that has the rights to the team. He'll do one interview a year for Bally Sports per his agent. And it makes it really hard to kind of gauge what he wants. So the the stuff you end up hearing is, you know, just conversations. Uh, nobody ever gets it from the source. A lot of it is just conjecture. So I, I honestly couldn't answer that equation. If they said, here's, here's a blank check, we're going to make you the highest paid player in the game, uh, would he take it or not? I honestly had have no idea. All right, so you're going to try to sell the Angels to me. I know I got Otani. I know I got Trout. Tell me why else I'd want to buy this team. Yeah, um, well, the the team right now, they own the radio, right? They own their own radio station, which is a pretty big burner in Southern California. Uh, they play in the second biggest media market in the country. They have an incredibly loyal fan base when you consider the sub-500 finishes. The fact that folks still go out and support the team, is a, it's a wonderful arrangement. They've got... Um, Orange County essentially all to themselves in terms of pro sports. You know, the Ducks are across the street, but hockey and baseball get along in a much more kumbaya fashion than other yeah. uh, other North American team sports do. Uh, the TV rights are secured for the next number of years. You have under contract to 2029, a future Hall of Famer and a three-time MVP. You've got Shohei Otani. Um, and, you know, pro sports franchises don't come along for sale very often. 
And if the reported value of the Washington Nationals is is somewhere just over two billion, you've got to put the Angels' valuation a little higher than that, don't you? I mean, they don't own the stadium, and that's where I think Artie Moreno, who by the way is a wonderful guy, and I just I hate the fact that he's the face for the losing stuff on the field because if anybody's ever wanted to win, it's him. He's generous. He is a wonderful guy, um, but where I think he lost some of his some of his passion for this was when he lost his land deal. He had this great plan, which would have been great for the community to develop the area around angel stadium and make it into a, a um, entertainment complex, similar to what they have in Atlanta, which is mm-hmm. just wonderful. And when that went away, I think, you know, that's when he started considering making the move he's going to make. So maybe the next guy will be able to do that because it's, I mean, it's wide open. You've got the Ducks Arena across the street, and somebody with deep pockets like Artie uh, would maybe be able to have more success doing that. Matty, you see the Astros a lot. Are they the best team in baseball? Oh, boy. Um, you know, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to qualify that, Kev. I'll say oh, they're the best team for me in the American League. Yeah. Uh, the warts on the Yankees are pretty apparent right now. And it's, sure. You know, been talked about everywhere right the swing and miss inability to string together base hits to sustain a rally they, they don't score if they don't homer uh the astros are the opposite of that losing michael brantley hurts them for sure for sure but just when they we think they're vulnerable right just when they we think oh hey no carlos correa maybe they'll be bad this year jeremy pena steps in oh verlander's hurt maybe uh they'll be bad uh, that you know without him the 650 days he was gone that wasn't the case they're the best team in the American League for me, but, man, the Dodgers are so doggone deep. Mm-hmm. They are beating the snot out of everybody, mm-hmm. and they're doing it without Walker Bueller. Great. You don't even think about David Price, who's the back of the bullpen, you know, like the last guy out of the – I mean, that's how talent-rich they are. So um, another Astros World Series – Astros-Dodgers World Series is a movie that I care not to see again because I'm tired of it, mm-hmm. but – for me, they're the two best teams in baseball, and if that's where it lands, it would be for that reason. Well yeah. said. No, that is that's. I think that's exactly the way we look at it as well. I mean, I went back and forth. I admit, I I, I got a little carried away with the Yankees earlier in the year, but I also I just kind of thought that it was going to come down to whether or not Lu, Luis Severino could stay healthy for the whole year, because to me, he could be the difference maker for him. As soon as he was hurt, I thought it's got to be the Astros, and I'm with you. The Dodgers are so deep, like. You know, does anybody? Yeah, Cody, you know, Be- the, Cody Bellinger's practically disappeared. No one, no one, no one talks about mm-hmm. about what's happened to him. Could you imagine? Yeah, yeah. Three years away from an MVP season, he doesn't play regularly anymore, and they don't seem to be bothered by that because yeah. they're so good with whatever combination they throw out there. The team that confuses all of us uh, down here is is your team in Toronto. I mean, I really thought that was a juggernaut when they were able to add Matt Chapman. Man, I thought that was a finishing piece and. For reasons I'm sure you guys talk about every morning, uh, it hasn't been that kind of run. I do think they're a postseason team for sure, and mm-hmm. I do think they're dangerous once they get there. I just feel like the kind of the misfires and the inconsistency uh, on that roster with all the talent has been a little confusing. Yeah, I think Bo Bichette and Jose Barrios have kind of been no the, they've kind of been the the poster boys for that um, for that inconsistency. Mm-hmm. Maddie, thanks so much for doing Great this, stuff, man. Great Maddie. to talk to you. Be well. Thanks a lot. Yeah, good talking to you guys. You got it. See Thank you later. You. Thank you. Matt Vesgersian is Angels TV play-by-play announcer and uh, one of the faces and voices of the MLB network. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm yeah. sure he gets that question all the time. Who's the best player for the Angels? He answered that He answered that well. Yeah. Like, I, I don't know what the right answer is. Maybe there's not a right answer. I, the, I think this is the only way you can answer it. You got to choose one of those two. I have to choose one of the two? You got to choose one of those two to put in your team. The answer is obvious. Just because of the injuries, I would pick Otani. I would. I, I love Trout. I know what, you what do. I know you do. And, and the the just the chaos that he creates offensively and on the bases. Mike he's Trout, hundred percent. But it's rare that he's hundred yeah. percent. Mike Trout is your favorite player's favorite player. Well said. Basically, but he's your again, but again, you player. the 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 Major League Baseball is screaming for a face of baseball. Yep. Are either one of those the face of baseball? Oh, I think Shohei Otani. You think so? Oh, yeah, yeah. I, I, I think Shohei Otani. You know, what, I think what, the what, Fernando Tatis Jr., he could be. Just, oh, well, all the things that he's went through, yeah. now he's not. 
But he was the one guy, right? San Diego, and he's good looking. He's just everything that baseball's thriving for. He's yeah. a good talker. He wants to talk. I, the, the thing is, I, I mean, yeah. I, I don't know if and I, I talked about this a little bit in the column. Baseball's a regional sport. I don't think you can have a face of baseball. You know who the face of baseball in Canada is? It's Vladdy. I mean, he is. Who's the face of baseball in New York? It's never going to be Fernando Tatis Jr., Shoei Otani. It's Aaron Judge. It's a, it's a regional sport. You, you can't, in, in the big markets, like you can't impose Fernando Tatis Jr. in New York and say, this is the face of the game. Because sure. Yankees fans are going to go, what about Aaron Judge? Mets mm. fans are going to go, hang on for a minute. We got Matt Scherzer. DeGrom. He's a great player. He's not the face of the game in Canada. That's Vladdy. There you go. He's not the face of the game in L.A. Mm-hmm. It's Mookie Betts. So... It's, but Otani, because of what he does, is, I, that's a no-brainer. I'm getting an ace, and I'm getting the middle, a middle-of-the-order hitter in, wrapped up in one. Like, why wouldn't I, why wouldn't I do that? And, and he, and, you know, then you open the possibilities of, of, of marketing the game in Japan. And um, it is interesting what Matt said. I had not realized he was as controlled as he is because i mean the only japanese player i sort of had was around for any length of time was hideki matsui when he was with the yankees because of the postseason because they played the yankees so much and he was a lovely guy he was you know open all the time you know they used to have his spring training he'd take the yankees writers out for dinner to his favorite wow i he just he was a guy that was always there and you could always get the end. I and mean, he was just, he was very easy to approach. And, um, you know, and, and I find that interesting with Shohei. But again, Shohei's, imagine what that dude's routine is. Imagine what his routine is. So I can see if his agent wants to sort of mm-hmm. control how many times he appears and where he appears. John Paul Morosi is MLB Network or an MLB Network insider. We'll ask him about where the Angels go with Otani and Trout take a look around baseball as well and get his thoughts on the Blue Jays. It's Blair and Barker on 590-360, the network, and wherever you get your favorite podcasts.